Welcome to On Aeon, a now award-winning podcast featuring conversations between colleagues on, well, Aeon. This week, we hear a special conversation with CEO Greg Case as he reflects on turning risk into opportunity. And now, this week's host, Andy Weitz. Hello, my name is Andy Weitz, and uh, I'm the CMO of Aeon. Glad to be back here today. Very excited to welcome our CEO, Greg Case, to the On Aeon podcast for a discussion on some critical themes impacting the firm, our clients, and of course, our colleagues. Uh, The team, by the way, Greg, told me just before we sat down to record that our podcast last year, and I find this kind of hard to believe, was the the most downloaded and most listened to. So the the rumor is we have our work cut out for us today. So thanks for joining us and, and no pressure. Andy, as always, happy to be here. Looking forward to the discussion. And uh, thank you again for the invitation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as you know, Greg, um, given that this is, I think, podcast number 48, at this point, we have a bit of a tradition up front where we we like to ask our guests a quick warm-up question uh, to kind of help our listeners get to know you better and, and really uh, put in perspective what we want to cover today. And, and so much of our focus as I think about the issues we want to talk about um, are about kind of the evolution of the firm and the needs of our clients. So what I'd like to do is kind of look back and look forward. And so when you look back on the last year, what are some of the critical things you've heard from clients that impacted the way you look at what the firm accomplished and the opportunities we have ahead of us? Wow, um, boy, a lot a lot in the last year, Andy, as you know well. Uh, as I reflect on different discussions and, and really around the world, uh, uh, with counterparts across a whole variety of organizations, uh, you, you always come back to the idea of the challenges they face, and they have been formidable. We know that. More risk than ever before, uh, more connectivity across those risks than ever before, and we know that. We see that. Um, and in many respects, there is almost a sense that every decision is becoming more and more important, um, which is obviously obviously true, but it creates a pressure, Andy, that I, that I just uh, picked up throughout the uh, about the last year. And leaders, in many respects, get to a point um, that you, it's almost decision fatigue. You, you have to make the right call because these calls become more and more important. But in the end, you end up, and I just had this discussion with so many of my counterparts, you worry that you're playing defense too much. Uh, you're, you're actually making sure you protect your business in such a way that in some respects, you actually don't take the steps forward you want to take. And if anything, 2022 is, was so much around sort of getting these decisions right and the fatigue that comes with that. And, and I will tell you, upon reflection, you worry that that's, that's not enough to take the business forward. And I, and I compare notes with my counterparts very often around how you move from defense to offense. Uh, and you have described it before, you know, we're in the business of better decisions. How do you make that a reality, uh, you know, for businesses around the world? And how do you partner with them to do that? So it's one reflection I have, this idea of, of defense and protecting a business and how you move from defense to offense in terms of, of, of building a firm. And, and what surprised me was you hear that in every geography uh, around the world and every sector around the world. Well, Greg, I imagine, yeah, any size business faces, regardless of the stakes, for them, it feels, it feels gigantic, I'd imagine. Is the idea when you talk about decision, decision fatigue, that it's simply more decisions to make or that there's a there's a smaller margin for error that's been you know, that's been there in the past because of maybe the volatility the connectivity you talked about is it both what are you hearing from your counterparts 
when I'm hearing from counterparts is it really is all the above, Andy. It really is more decisions than ever before. As you think about the complexity around the world, the decisions are more complex uh, and more interconnected than ever before in ways that they haven't been. And then if you think about it, what's defense? Defense is literally entering into COVID. Uh, an unprecedented time that everyone had to react to. Coming out of COVID, you're ready to jump in, you're ready to go, but you know what happened? The geopolitical uh, uh, turmoil all around the world. Then on top of that, uh, inflation and interest rates and, and the economic challenges, that combination, Andy, more than ever before, what I'm picking up and hearing is literally that challenge, that 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 combination is really what's created the, the challenge and the complexity. And in many respects, they can consume all your time. So you don't really have the time to, to really think about, you know, the future and building momentum the way you'd like to do. And that, that's really the that's the reflection on 2022 that just seems to be a, a reality across the world. Got it. So the reality then is if I'm a leader of an organization, um, I, I went into the pandemic, maybe hunkered down a bit in a way, was just trying to protect the fundamentals of my business. You, you think offense is playing good defense, but what you got to do is find a way to you know, stay a step ahead of your competitors what what should our clients be thinking then, Greg? How do they go from defense to offense and what can Aon do to help them get there? Well, listen, you've captured it perfectly, Andy, in so many respects. But if you think about it, just this idea of, of this fatigue, again, it isn't a lack of activity. Uh, trust me, this more, more initiative, more energy going into this than ever before. But when you're prudently playing defense, as you described, you then think about it from a stakeholder view. You know, is new talent excited about what you're doing? And if you're playing defense, less so. Are your investors, are they understanding why it's all about defense and not about offense? Less so. They want to see all of us taking action on all these fronts. And so this is why the idea of the evolution from, from defense to offense is so, so important. And uh, I, will, I will highlight uh, maybe three areas, Andy, if I could. One is just to shift in mindset and really stepping back and asking the question, how do we protect the house? No doubt about that, but how do we think about the go forward? And, and really I've watched a set of leaders approach risk very proactively. They understand the interconnectivity of it. They understand the risk today, but they are looking for, for opportunities in the face of risk. How do they understand risk, measure it, mitigate it more effectively, and in doing so, step into opportunities, the likes of which they never had before. It's really an interesting perspective that I've, I have found very, very compelling. These leaders also almost universally take both short and a long-term view. They're absolutely defending the here and now, but they're taking actions with really Think about what happens post-economic slowdown, you know, post the inflation challenges, post the interest rate challenges, post the geopolitical challenges, and how do you move forward? And then finally, one other piece, Andy, that seems so universal in this conversation is around the people strategy and really taking a long-term view of around how talent strategy, you know, is evolving uh, and continues to, you know, get shaped by, you know, all that's around us. Uh, and they're very clear on the strategy they're taking to, to bring in talent, develop talent and nurture talent. So those three approaches, you know, Andy, I have found universal in my discussions with colleagues around the world uh, and clients around the world on how to really lean into this idea of going from defense to offense as it thinks to thinks about they think about addressing risk. Got it. So I heard shift in mindset is one important piece, Greg. That idea of long-term thinking, and then obviously the fundamental piece you just talked about, rethinking the people strategy. That's a great summary of what I think differentiates a prepared leader. And I know that in previous podcasts earlier this year, we had a few of our own leaders here in Aon 
on the podcast to discuss a little bit of you know some of the takeaways from our executive risk survey, which talked about this, the idea that leaders who are prepared are able to lean in. They're able to go from defense to, to offense. Uh, I'm curious, you, you cited a couple of examples, but let's make it a little bit more real for our listeners. In the past, I've heard you talk a lot about climate as one of these kinds of issues that um, it feels like it touches your business in so many ways, or maybe the alternative, maybe it feels like it doesn't relate to you because you're a smaller business or you're, you're not in the energy industry. What are you seeing when it comes to leading organizations and how they're dealing with something like climate? Where does it fit into this conversation? Well, listen, first, Andy, you're right. This gets applied across you know, almost every aspect of an organization. But I love the fact you pick climate. Let's, let's call that out. Let's dive into that and understand sort of what that's looking like and how that is, that's evolving. Um, and it really does show up, this idea of defense to offense and how you think about it in the context of your own business. First, I would say, listen, as we've described, um, climate uh, is not a probability. The climate challenges are on the horizon. They're here and now. This is a reality. Uh, and they, they pose real threats to what we're all doing, uh, how we're thinking about our businesses and how they evolve. Um, and when you think about it, it's, it's in a, a number of categories. One is just resilience. Literally, how do you protect your business from the current you know, evolution of what's going on in climate? And also think about um, all the regulatory issues which come into, in, 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 into, the, into play now in ways they haven't before. In addition to resilience, you've got transition. Literally, if you think about our own businesses, how are they transitioning when you think about the movement to a more you know, carbon neutral environment? But then you get to the idea of growth because resilience and transition aren't enough. How do you think about climate in the context of how you build and grow your business? And you know, maybe, Andy, I'll pick one example. Um, there's a global financial institution we've been spending a lot of time with, and it's been it's been wonderful to watch what they've done and how they've approached it. First, it's a it's a global financial institution. They have re, re, you know resilience challenges everywhere. Uh, they've got reporting requirements, the likes of which they've never seen before in terms of what does climate mean for their business. We're helping them understand that. We're helping them you know ask questions around how they might be able to mitigate that. But they're not stopping there. They're then going to literally. How do they think about their own transition? Literally, their fundamental business model and how that's going to change over time to both, you know, create a, a more zero carbon footprint in ways they've never done before. And then maybe the most exciting piece for them is around growth. You know, this firm is going to invest, you know, circa trillion plus over time in climate, in climate investments, things that take, you know, carbon out of the air, et cetera. We're helping them understand how to take those, those investments and position them in a way in which they create the return that, that is required to grow the business, but do so in a way that, that, that creates less volatility as they make those investments. So when you think about all the things that come into this, this idea of you know defending the house and then growing the house, building capability, um, what we're doing around resilience, transition, and growth all fit into it. And, and again, if you think about it, colleagues are going to get excited about growth. Investors are excited about growth. You build the firm around growth. Resilience is critical, but not enough. So it, it, it's, a, it's a good example that really talks to how this idea, uh, the evolu- evolving idea of how you drive growth in a business is so important and so preeminent today. Just, just maybe one example, hopefully that was helpful. Very helpful. And I think it, it fits back to where we started, the idea of decision fatigue. It sounds to me like resilience is the price of admission. You, you can't simply build a resilient organization you have to make a decision. You have to be involved in the transition. And when you go on that journey, you have the opportunity to create growth. And to me, that's the defense to offense journey you're talking about. 
that it sounds like leading organizations are leaning into when they have a partner, right? That can help them navigate that journey. Um, I'm struck though by the fact that earlier when you were talking about um, you know, some of the things on the horizon, some of the fundamentals out there that you talked about people strategy, you talked about talent, the idea that human capital is the foundation of executing any of these strategies. Um, I want to go back to that notion of resilience again. Now applying to talent, what does it mean to go on offense in the context of your team, like with your people strategy? And, and how does that fit into this bigger picture? Well, as usual, Andy, you captured the thinking perfectly uh, and you came back to resilience and talent in the context of it. Uh, tremendous. If you go back to that example I just went through, that client, you know, literally is driven by their talent strategy. And it does start with resilience, no doubt about it. But to get to growth, to get to transition effectively, you're doing a lot more than just resilience. Um, and if you think about talent and resilience, this has been, you know, very much around, around retention uh, and all the aspects of that. I have to tell you, you think about 2022 and into 2023, we're moving way past resilience. Uh, it's critical, as you said, it's price of admission in every aspect of what we're doing, but it is, it is nowhere near enough to sort of do what we all wanna do to build our businesses. And you evolve from resilience here to the idea of well-being and what it really means uh, for, for our colleagues to succeed. Not just, not just you know, retention. Uh, it really is around financial well-being for them. It's around uh, physical health. It's around mental health. It's around creating opportunities which they find more compelling than ever before, and create excitement and energy in ways that that haven't existed before. And stepping up to that challenge on well-being, we just see it everywhere, Andy, around the world uh, with clients who really are embracing this idea of how do I go on offense to build in this highly, highly complex environment. And, and you know this very well, but you know, clients that do this literally are, are not just, don't just have a, a stronger talent force, they are performing substantially better. And in many respects, in almost four to one in terms of sort of what it really means to create outcomes as it relates to wellness. Technology obviously is a very fundamental piece of this. How do you operationalize the idea of, of embedding wellness across, across colleagues around the world? And in so many aspects, this idea of going from resilience uh, and, and, and retention and all the aspects that are building that into well-being is absolutely fundamental. Oh, Greg, thanks. That's, I think, a lot, a lot for our listeners to digest in terms of talent strategy underpinning you know, everything else you do and how it becomes a huge part of what you can accomplish as an organization. I know that at Aon, we've, we've done our best right, to, to lead on this. So often where we end up creating value for clients starts with what we learn within the four walls of our own firm. And I know that you know, our smart working approach is a great example, in my opinion, of that. I, I think there's something like 81% um, of our colleagues in our last colleague support survey said that smart working provides them the flexibility they need to balance work and personal commitments. Does it start there when you think about you know, a, healthy, a healthy workforce, meeting them where they are, creating conditions for them to be successful, to your point, using technology to underpin how they connect? Andy, uh, exactly, exactly right. When you think about smart working and all that it means, it really has to embed the flexibility you're describing. It has to create the opportunities and the possibilities for colleagues to operate more effect effectively in the current environment uh, and in the environment as it evolves over time. So for us, that's been fundamental. Equally exciting has been the applications with clients around the world. It's been wonderful to sort of see them uh, adopt and embrace the idea of smart working. It is very different 
by company. There is no one size fits all here. This is around how you tailor the approach to support your 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 colleagues in the best way possible to drive strategy going forward. And the whole idea of the you know the evolution of smart working is absolutely critical. But if you think about it, you know we talk about sort of trying to come up with the idea of what smart working is, thinking we're going to go back to something. We've never had this environment. You go back pre pre COVID. You know we all did different things. We didn't define it as crisply as we're trying to do now. Then you go COVID. Everybody got exactly the same model. Everybody's yeah. in the same model. Now we're evolving from it and trying to create definition. And then we're trying to create compliance around that definition. These are complex things to do with, with our colleagues around the world. Uh, and we're seeing that evolve. And that's why smart working, as you described, is so fundamental to this idea of generating real, real meaningful wellness with our colleagues in a way that really drives outcomes for our clients. Absolutely, Greg. And I think it's another example of why at Aon, we're lucky to have you know, the in-house expertise, the, the subject matter experts resident in our human capital team, uh, really guiding us through that process a lot. We're learning that we're then applying to how we lead and, and partner with clients. And a lot of well-being is about trust, I would imagine, kind of um, you know, that the trust is a currency that you exchange between a colleague and an employer. And a lot of that today, we talk about in the context of uh, other dimensions, like inclusion and diversity, right? And believing that you're you're part of an organization that values that and is creating pipeline and opportunity uh, for all kinds of people to grow and flourish within an organization. I can't help but think of what we've done on the apprenticeships front uh, as another dimension of how you can lead and demonstrate to your colleague base that you're committed to a fuller definition of, of well-being. What do you think? Well, listen, the apprenticeship uh, idea is really, you know, starts with the, the perspective and thesis that if we open up uh, opportunities for talent, you know, in broader, from broader sources, we're all going to be better off. And I must tell you, uh, you know, our Aon colleagues, Andy, around the world have been absolutely spectacular in the context of apprenticeships. You know, think about kind of what we've done uh, across Europe and now across the U.S. and creating opportunities for, for colleagues who, who were here before never would have come into Aon. Never would have seen Aon. Uh, by the way, it's been a great opportunity for them. But be clear, as you know well, Andy, it's an opportunity for us. These colleagues have come in and done a magnificent job sort of adding to the texture, the content, the capability that exists at our firm. And this whole idea of what we've been able to do to, 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 to help uh, drive the apprenticeship effort around the U.S., uh, not just with inside of Aon, but around the industry um, has been uh, has been incredibly rewarding uh, and incredibly beneficial. But it starts with the idea that we're we're opening the opportunities up more broadly than ever before, creating a very skill based approach to actually how we bring in talent, how we develop talent, how we uh, how we apprentice talent over time, and that outcome has been incredibly compelling. Uh, and as I said, is really is really we think going to make a difference, not just today on in our industry, but really across the entire economy. Well, thanks for that additional detail, Greg. I mean, I think that ultimately diversity drives well-being, broadening the aperture means more opportunity for everyone. You know, it increased the trust and conviction of our colleague base about the future of the firm, the organization we're growing into, the potential for what we're building with Aon United. Uh, so thanks for that extra nuance and texture. That's great context for how we view opportunity for clients. Shifting to Aon for a second, um, how do we match up against that? You know, kind of what other priorities or areas of opportunity do you see for the firm against this backdrop we've discussed for the last few minutes? Well, appreciate the question, Andy. I guess, you know, you step back and think about it. You know, last year we were together. Last year we talked about 
opportunity and how it's evolving and becoming more significant. Clarity, how we define a path that we can help clients succeed on it. And then how do we continue to align our firm you know, and United so we can deliver this in the most compelling way possible. And I have to tell you that was relevant then, but if you think about what we've just discussed, it's become even more relevant now. You, you know, in some respects, you you kind of have to love it when a plan comes together. And now we're just got to execute it on behalf of clients and the best way we can. If you think about it, opportunity has never become, never been more compelling. Yeah, with the complexity and the risks that are out there, our ability to help clients with, with all their colleagues, people, retirement risk, massive. You think about the clarity we have in the business of better decisions. This is about a client definition of what they need to succeed. That is a different orientation than we've ever had before and greater alignment, you know, really across the globe around that. And, you know, I would just say, listen, the, the piece we've always talked about together, Andy, is, listen, when you think about relevance, you think about what we do as an industry and how we help the global economy client by client succeed, we, our, our relevance, you know, has declined over the last 30 years where it had been increasing for the prior 20 years. And we've talked about how you break that trend and you break that trend by helping clients succeed in a challenging environment. And there's never been a bigger and more substantial opportunity than we have today to do that and, and to really change that curve and to change the relevance of what we do as Aon, but even you know, equally important what the industry does on behalf of clients uh, and, their, and their employees around the world. So it's pretty exciting. We're going to continue to reinforce and drive that as best we can. Uh, but the, you know, the, the purpose is clear. As you've said before, in the business of better decisions, helping clients succeed uh, has never been more important, and we've never been more excited about it. Well, Greg, thank you for that. It, it is exciting, and I think um, you've really tied it all together, and it sure does sound like there's quite an opportunity ahead for the firm and our clients in 2023. Before I let you go, though, I know this is your favorite part of our discussion. We only do this once a year, but I want to probe a little bit personally here for a moment. Um, I had a lot of I had a lot of people uh, suggest questions for you here, Greg, on the personal front. But I'm I'm going to make this uh, I think kind of easy. I know you're a student of history. I'm curious, what fictional or historical leader do you most admire? <laughs> okay, I knew we would end up there, Andy. So um, at the risk of you know killing the momentum for all of our listeners, uh, I'll offer a couple, maybe one thought on this. Maybe one thought. Um, look. Um, I, I, I go back to Teddy Roosevelt. I love the I love the the entire the entire thesis around the idea of you know being in the arena and what it means to be in the arena and and to me it, it makes so much sense based on today's conversation you and I have had because it really is around taking initiative. It's really around going from defense to offense and having the courage to do that in your own organization, on behalf of your clients, with your colleagues, whatever you're doing, it's really taking a step forward because you have conviction, it's the right thing to do. So I have to tell you, I, I love that. I, I love that uh, that passage. If, if you haven't heard it before, it's just tremendous. But if you really want to hear the right rendition of it, at least the one that uh, makes my hair on the back of my neck stand up, it really is uh, John F. Kennedy in a speech uh, in December of 1961 in New York City, which is Roosevelt's hometown, talked about what it means to be in the arena. And it was just, it's awesome. So if you want, if you want more than the written word, uh, Andy, go to that, go to that, you know, it's on YouTube. It's pretty cool. And I would, I would highlight that. That's, that's fantastic. Um, and, you know, it, I think for those of us who get to work with you relatively closely, um, that's the way we feel at Aon in terms of the opportunity we're taking on and the value we want to create for all of our stakeholders. I got to imagine though that, 
that orientation had to come to you kind of personally, right? Um, is there any is there any reference point in your life or a moment where you've seen that kind of mindset stick out most in terms of you know being in the arena, making the hard decisions, getting it done when it matters most? Wow, um, you know, say formative. There are many formative times. I've learned so much working with my colleagues around Aon uh, over these many years. Um, but, but I, you know, I decided I was going to pick one personal anecdote, Andy. Uh, I, um, in my prior life, I worked with a, a partner, um, Joel uh, Blakey, who was a phenomenal uh, partner, uh, and he was unique. Uh, and I was, I was relatively, you know, early tenured at the time, but I worked with him seven or eight years. Uh, regrettably, and at a very early age, he, 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 um, he left the earth way too early. Uh, but he, he had a mindset that was about opportunity creation. He was a net creator in everything he encountered. And I was always stunned uh, around how you could face adversity uh, in the client arena, in the personal arena, and find opportunity against it. And Joel always found that. And he found that through his, through his entire life. And uh, I found that to be an incredible lesson, watching him do what he did. Uh, and you reflect back and you realize, man, what a difference he made, not only with the clients he served, uh, not only with the colleagues he worked with, uh, but really, if you think about you know, the evolution of thinking, the evolution of what it means to be successful and the ideas that it takes to accomplish that, Joel was just unique. And I had a, a great opportunity to watch someone in action who really, in many respects, uh, accomplished in a short life, all that we just talked about over the course of the last bit of time together. So maybe that's one example that was uh, added a real indelible impact on. Well, thanks, Greg. I, I really appreciate you sharing the, the personal anecdotes. And I think on behalf of our listeners, just a big thank you for everything we covered today. Um, some really important themes that I think resonate on professional and personal levels for our colleagues and hopefully for all our listeners. Uh, everything from decision fatigue, the idea of going on offense in the face of challenges like this, what it means to make better decisions, and as I think you just wrapped it up, the idea of being a net creator. Uh, a phenomenal discussion, as always, Greg. Thanks so much for being here with us today. And listeners, that's our show. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of On Aon. This has been a conversation on Aon and CEO Greg Case's thoughts on some critical themes for 2023. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this latest episode, tune in soon for our next edition. You can also check out past episodes on Simplecast. To learn more about Aon, its colleagues, solutions, and news, check out our show notes and visit our website at aon.com.